Hey, Rick. <laughs> Hi, Kim. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome right. back. Thank you. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks. <laughs> good to be good to be back on this side of the table again. Yeah, yeah. You've been gone for a little bit too. Been busy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And we had the Fall Fun Fest. Yeah, this weekend, weekend was great. Um, hey, welcome to episode 112 of North Point Plus. Um, yeah, the Fall Fun Fest was great. We had um, great attendance, a lot of people from the community, lots of fun, um, lots of people taking next steps, which was really cool. People that maybe weren't able to serve that still were able to give candy, people that um, maybe that was their first step to serve was to stand by moon bounce or uh, interact with people, just lots of good conversations. And it was, it was tons of fun. And if you didn't get a chance to see the video of Fall Fun Fest, it's up, I think, on the website or the YouTube channel, and you can check it out that way. So, yeah. We had a lot of fun. I, I came with my family, too, and it was, it was really neat. Great, great weather, too. We got really yeah. blessed with the weather. So that was a lot, nice. uh, lot of praying ahead of time, and yeah. um, God in his goodness Gave us very enjoyable yeah. weather. Parted, yeah. uh, literally parted the sky because yes. it was supposed to rain and it was sunny and, yep. and just very beautiful. So yep. excellent. So thanks to everyone who was involved in, in helping with that as well. That was a really great event. And then you also had another great meeting, I believe, last night. Yeah, right? yeah, Rooted. last night. So we're in Rooted and um, we had a, all the groups come together last night. Um, and had uh, uh, roughly 90 people talking about um, giving. Uh, Rooted is all about the rhythms that help you grow spiritually. And uh, this week we're talking about giving and, and how, that, how critical that is in terms of our walk with Jesus and live it out what we believe. And so just had, had a great time last night. Um, I think all the life groups were there. And uh, and just good conversation and conversation that I'm sure will continue into the future. And so it was cool. Yeah, it was good. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, as Rick said, this is North Point Plus, and this is episode 112. I'm Kim, your guest host, and uh, we're just here to pick uh, Rick's brain a little bit more on our, uh, our current series, which is a blueprint for handling persecution, um, or this particular segment is anyway. So we just have yeah. questions based on what we've been studying and learning. So why don't you just give us a quick overview? Yeah, so, so we're in Acts 5, and, um, and basically what happens in the passage that we looked at yesterday, starting in about verse 12, I think, through the end of the chapter, was God's hand is on the church, and so supernatural things are happening. Uh, people are being healed, all, all kinds of stuff. And the religious leaders are freaking out because people are listening to the apostles and um, not paying as much attention to them. And so they grab all the apostles, they throw them into jail, and supernaturally in the middle of the night, uh, an angel comes in, unlocks the door, lets them all out, and tells them to keep on, keep on talking about Jesus. And so they get released, they go out the next morning, they're back in the temple um, talking about Jesus, and the religious leaders come back together because they're going to put these guys on trial, and all of a sudden, somebody comes in and says, uh, they're not in the jail, and we're not sure what's going on. Can you imagine being a fly on the wall to see <laughs> oh, their faces man. at it's, that point? Where they <laughs> when, when, they go to, when they go to pick them up and they go in and no one's there, that, um, uh, I'm sure that they were perplexed. Um, and so ultimately, ultimately, they come out, and they, they blame the apostles for causing all this furor in Jerusalem. And uh, I t talked a little bit about that because I, I just think it's so interesting that they, um, 
that the people who said, oh, yeah, we'll take responsibility for Jesus being killed, then say, oh, you guys have caused all these problems because you're talking about Jesus that we killed. And uh, just an interesting thing. And, and ultimately, um, the apostles end up being um, flogged, being whipped, and, uh, but they end up being released from prison. Um, Gamaliel, one of the leaders in the Sanhedrin, at one point sticks up for them and says, hey, look, um, if this is from God, we've got to be really careful. If it's not from God, it's, it's going to go away. And the apostles end up being released. Um, and ultimately, I love the last two verses that say the, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Um, day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching, proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm. Um, so so the, really, the whole context of the message was all about the recognition that persecution will come if we follow Jesus, if we, if we embrace following Jesus. Uh, we, we talk about discipleship as following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and pursuing the mission of Jesus. When we do that, there will be persecution, um, and that we don't need to run from that. Um, persecution is going to come, and, and, and we need to really kind of embrace that and, and recognize that not as something to run away from, but, but to say God's in this, and, um, and he's going to work um, one way or another through this whole process. Yeah. Well, Jesus does say, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Not something we love to look at, but I think it's wise to look at it. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny to me. um, I I love preaching yesterday, preaching that message, because it is so counterculture um, for us as Americans, because we think if there's trouble, if there's struggles, that means that we're doing the wrong thing. Mm. And um, uh, when we do the right thing, there will be struggles. There, there, there'll be problems and persecution, and um, and so we don't need to run away from that. We need to we need to run to being faithful to Jesus, and then the circumstances will be whatever the circumstances are. I appreciate that for sure. I think it kind of goes along with the question we have from Lily of the Valley. Lily of the Valley, of the I Valley. love it. Yeah, she says, um, "Do you really think that growth only comes?" Through times of pain, you know it's oh, funny. It, it's funny because that's what I said in the message that that growth only happens when we when when there's pain, and I I wrestled with that a lot because um, there are times I think that we do grow without pain, but I think that growth is never fully realized until it comes with pain. So, like I can encourage you. Um, uh, in whatever thing it is that you do, and if and you think, oh, I'm getting better at this. I mean, that, that that's good. I I can give instruction. You can and um and you feel like, yeah, I'm getting better and, and better. But it doesn't really take until um, the instruction doesn't produce the long term growth until you get in a place that that there is discomfort, pain, whatever, and and it's at that point you either really fully embrace what it is that you've been taught or encouraged to do, or you say, eh, I don't like this, and I'm going to go the other direction. So ultimately, I do think pain is the measure of what um, determines whether we grow or not. Well, we can grow through instruction, through encouragement, through all those kinds of things, but there ultimately comes a time where that gets put um, to the test, and when that gets put to the test— there's typically pain that comes with that, or it's not, it's not a really hard test. Could we say that maybe 
um, pain and or you would mention a few other words and maybe sacrifice. I mean, sure. It's yeah. not necessarily like a physical pain. Necessarily, no, not n- uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's it's something we have to give up, though. It's not necessarily right. going to be easy. Is that yeah. yeah discomfort, mm-hmm. tension, um, uh, pressure, uh, whatever it is. I know for me, there have been lots of times that it's easy to be taught information um, and to go ahead and teach that information. But until you're in a situation where you have to utilize that information and really put it into practice, that's where it's, uh, do I really believe this or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that usually involves discomfort, pain, um, concern about what other people are going to think. Uh, you ultimately come to a place that you say, is this really what I believe or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, from Kate Dolphy, we, we have another question. I think I missed something, she says. What is the Sandhedrin? Um, that's a great question, Kate, and I'm so glad that you ask it because it's, it's funny. Sometimes when you speak, you assume everybody knows what you're talking about, and the, this podcast is the greatest tool in the world to say, eh, I'm not really sure about that. What is it? So the Sanhedrin was um, a council that existed in the uh, Jewish faith in Jerusalem. It was kind of like the ruling group. The president of the Sanhedrin was the high priest Caiaphas. Um, Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin were involved in the, in the death of Jesus in, um, in creating, uh, putting Jesus on trial. They're the ones that Judas dealt with that gave him the 30 pieces of silver uh, to, deny, to, uh, uh, to betray Jesus. Um, it's interesting to me that the Sanhedrin, that, um, there were probably 71 people in the Sanhedrin, and that the roots of the Sanhedrin go all the way back to Moses. Hmm. When Moses, when the nation of Israel's out wandering in the wilderness, and everybody's coming to Moses to, to, um, to rule and give decisions when there's conflict. So, you know, we argue about my goat that got killed or whatever, and, and, um, and you think one thing and I think somebody else, uh, I think something else, and we fuss and, fight, fuss and fight, and ultimately we go to Moses to say, Moses, you've got to decide who's right, who's wrong. Well, you've got a nation of probably somewhere between two and seven million people out um, in the wilderness, Moses got really tired, and his father-in-law, a guy named Jethro, said, what are you doing? You've got to have some help. And so Moses chose 70 elders, 70 wise, older Jewish guys to help dis- um, uh, take care of those disputes, and only, uh, only the hardest things bubbled up to Moses. So Moses was like the Supreme Court. Um, but they were all the appellate, or all of the the local courts that that dealt with stuff. Those seventy guys. So from that seventy and Moses seventy one, they came up with a number for the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin was composed of of really two different kinds of of um, older Jewish men: the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, the Pharisees were were um, more middle class, and they were, they were literalist about Scripture. They had a really high view of Scripture. Whatever Scripture said, that's what they were going to do. They, um, they read the, the books, the Talmud, that where rabbis had um, made rulings about, about what was in the Old Testament and how to live. They lived by that completely. The Sadducees um, were more wealthy and um, and a little bit more distant, and the Sadducees didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the immortality of a person's soul, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. 
And because they didn't believe in the resurrection, they were sad. You see, yeah, that's yeah, that's. So the seventy-one then was composed of both the Pharisees, Pharisees and, and the Sadducees. Sadducees yeah, combined together with seventy-one yeah. total. Okay. That's yeah, and what happens in Acts five when it talks about the, the Sanhedrin? It's um, it mostly deals with the Sadducees that are there. Um, the, uh, that that that's. Um, uh, that they're because they're talking about Jesus being raised from the dead, which just graded on the Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Good question, Kate. Bad. Yeah, thank you, Kate. Um, and from Bart Errorman, we have another Bart Errorman. You mentioned that the advice um, of Gamaliel gave those gave to the council was not con- correct advice. So, or at least it was impartial error. So, how can this be? If the Bible is truly inerrant, doesn't this inadequacy mean that the Bible has no errors in it? Or does, yeah. Um, and if it does have an error, how can I trust the rest of the Bible? Um, Bart, great question. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because I thought, oh, this, this is really kind of ideal to talk about in the podcast. And it's the kind of thing that I thought, oh, man, there's so much opportunity for this to be misunderstood and to try and try and communicate what I wanted to communicate, which is really a challenge to say, we need to dive into Scripture and not just accept what we're told all at face value. And part of why, um, part of part of why I made a point to talk about that yesterday is because uh, somebody uh, in my life, not somebody here at North Point, just talked about this principle that Gamaliel says that oh, if it's if it's from God. Um, well, if it's not from God, it's not going to last. And if it is from God, it is going to last and you don't want to fight it. Completely agree with the second part of that. If it is from God, you don't want to fight it. You don't want to create any obstacles. You don't want to get in the way of God's plan because God's going to accomplish his will one way or the other. But the, the stipulation that if, it's, um, if it lasts, it's from God, is... I believe that's not a godly principle. I don't believe that that's sound advice. In this case, God used that advice to free the apostles and used Gamaliel to do that. Um, just because that that's just because that's recorded in Scripture and God used it in that way doesn't mean that that's a tool that we can use to discern what's from God and what's not from God. And the examples that I gave, uh, uh, Islam is the is the is probably the clearest example to say it's been around fourteen hundred years. And if that's not from God, then it should have it should have just blown up. Uh, well, it hasn't, and continues to be a. Um, a a, in opposition to Christianity, in opposition to people really coming to know Jesus, um, lots, lots of stuff associated with that. So the, so the question is, wait, I thought the Bible was inerrant. How's that work? And the challenge that, that, is, that I would say, if you're watching to really think through, is when you read Scripture, you have to engage your brain. You, you have to think about, okay, what's being communicated here? What are the principles? What is God teaching? What is God saying? And, and how do I make application to my life? So there are lots of places in Scripture um, where people give bad advice, um, and typically that ends up with a negative response, and so it's easy to say, oh, that was bad advice. But what, what Luke describes here is what Gamaliel said, so that's without error. What, when Luke says, this is what Gamaliel said, 
Um, that's what Gamaliel said. That doesn't mean what Gamaliel said was was from God. <laughs> was from God. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's the limit. So if you think back to the Old Testament and you think about um, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, when uh, when he became king, um, this is uh, Solomon had uh, had a couple of sons. Rehoboam um, said, "Okay, what do I do as I become king?" And the older, wiser um, elders of Israel said, uh, "People are crying out that the taxes are too much." relieve the tax burden and people will love you. And all of his young buddies, all the people that he was contemporary with, they said, oh no, you're, you're young. You need to rule with an iron fist. And so you need to increase the tax burden and, and just really take control. Um, that was bad advice. The, the advice from the elders was good advice. Um, Rehoboam took the bad advice and the end result of that was that the nation of Israel was torn in two. Um, the Hebrew nation, it ended up being the ten tribes and the two tribes, northern and southern kingdoms. That, that, was, that was bad advice. Um, Jonah, Jonah, um, Jonah's advice that he gave to the guys on the boat was, um, you know what, I'm running for God. The best thing you can do is throw me in the water. So if we were to say, oh, the Bible's inerrant, that means anytime that we run from God, we should probably hop on a ship and just <laughs> say to who's ever there, you know what? I'm running from God. Throw me in, throw me overboard. Um, we j- we need to think clearly about when we read the text and and really dive into the text and say, okay, what was God saying? Um, how was He working in the process? The cool thing about this particular passage with Gamaliel is that God used someone who was not a follower of Jesus to spare and preserve the apostles' lives. Um, because because the Sanhedrin was ready to kill them all, um, ready to to just eliminate him. God used him to accomplish His will, but He used him with what I would say is not it's not horrible advice, but it's not sound advice that you can apply in every situation. Sure, sure. Well, good. Well, thanks for that question, Bart, because that helped kind of help. Bart, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how do I know if I'm being persecuted for my faith, or versus like my personality, or views, or delivery of the way I say things? It's yeah. Uh, whoever asked this question, I am really, really glad you asked this question too, because it's in a message on persecution. I think that this is a fundamental piece, because frankly, sometimes Christians are just really. Um, Arrogant, awkward, um, offensive, and judgmental. And judgmental uh, yeah, all well, those things. All, all those things. And we say, oh, I'm supposed to be persecuted. And so they kind of wear it as a badge of honor. Um, I, I think the, the challenge is to say, am I being the obstacle or is the truth of God being the obstacle? Because if the truth of God is what's causing the perse- persecution, man, embrace that. If, um, if, you're being proud and offensive, you need to get out of the way and let let God work through his word, God, let God work through another channel to accomplish that. I, I think it's um, the question is a really, really good one, and it's another reason, I think, why it's critical to, to have a disciple-making relationship that you're part of, whether that's in a life group or a, a mentoring, somebody that mentors you, that pours into you, whatever, that that is a, that you're able to hear them say you realize when you say that how offensive that is and that you're not you're not considering there there are ways that you can say the exact same thing 
and not get in the way of the truth of God. Um, that's a hard conversation to have, but it's critical, I think, for our growth too, because when we wield truth as a weapon, um, it rarely accomplishes what God's truth is designed to do, which is to penetrate people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 in my life, I think I would say that, that God's truth is at its most effective when I get out of the way and I'm just humble and, and am able to speak truth without, without being defensive, without being aggressive. Just let God's truth be God's truth and, and see what God does with that. Yeah. No better example than how gracious Jesus is, you know, in yeah. all of his examples. He doesn't come along and he says, I come to save the sinners. And he also, you know, just comes alongside people so yeah. lovingly. Yeah. Never did he say, I came to judge you and you're, you're wrong. He would gently point out the, the, their ways and, and lead by example. And yeah. not even telling them, just by his example, people would make life changes. Yeah. So I do think that. And, unless, and, unless they were arrogant. Like the Pharisees, Pharisees, yeah. Oh, right. Well, he would, yeah. Yeah, where would call he he called them out, yeah. For sure. And I think what I hear you saying, too, is a challenge for all of us as we come alongside other believers to have the boldness and the love and the grace to point things out in ourselves and, and have those relationships where we can be real. Because I know I, I, I would I want to be checked if I'm doing right. something that's that's contrary to bringing people into the kingdom. I want someone to point that out, even though nobody really, I mean, that's painful, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a painful thing, but yet I think it's a gracious thing to do because we also don't want to find out 10 years later that we've been doing something that's been hurtful and nobody pointed it out. Right. We need to love each other enough to have that boldness, to have the um, consideration and courage, right? To, yeah. To um, a, a rabbit trail here for a second. I'm, I'm reading a book right now about Netflix, about the Netflix culture um, and one of the values that they have is um, honesty and transparency. I forget what the words are that they use. I'm, I'm relatively early in the book. But it's really, really interesting that, that they have come to a conclusion that at any level, so somebody three or four levels down from the president can call out the president for, for um, making mistakes or, or doing things in, in a way that is not the most effective way or, or even for a bad idea. Anybody can do that with anybody else. And not only can, they're called to do that, um, which is a really interesting thing about their culture and how they've been able to adapt. And, um, you know, whether you like Netflix or not, they have been very successful, you know, in the, in the last 20 years in terms of accomplishing what they want, want to do. The principles that the book talks about, it's, you know, as I'm, as I'm reading the book, just thinking, oh, this is, this is Christianity. It's being able to be in relationship with people and not use truth as a weapon, but, but to figure out how can, I, how can I communicate to someone how they can be more effective, how they can be better, how they can grow. Um, how can I do that in a way that points out the areas where they need to grow, but honors them at the same time? And, that, and that's really kind of what we're talking about. Um, yeah, the value of people. For sure. Thank you. We'll kind of bring it into the home stretch here. We yeah. have one last question because you did promise yesterday that you would uh, uh, kind of give us the rest of the story, right, of Gamaliel. I don't pronounce that right probably, but how he mentions that um, 
um, that there were s- some other guys um, that were killed, right? As yeah. They, and their followers were dis- dispersed. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Whole yeah. Thutis, Thutis is the first guy, which is a, that's just a weird name. T-H-E-U-D-A-S. <laughs> Thutis and Judas, um, two, two different um, guys. And um, Judas, uh, Thutis, we don't know a lot about. We just know really what, what uh, Luke describes uh, there when Gamaliel talks to the Sanhedrin. But Judas is talked about by Josephus, who was a Jewish historian that wrote towards the end of the first century. And, and he describes this guy who created, um, he, he had a, follow, a, a following, he had a group of people that said, oh yeah, he's the right guy, he, he's essentially the Messiah. 400, 400 followers, and, um, and began to fight against the Sanhedrin and against the Roman government. And the, and the Romans basically came in and killed him. And and ultimately, what happens is that all those uh, all those followers are dispersed, and it's like they probably end up thinking, "What were we thinking?" Mm-hmm. It's it really is. They created a rebellion in both cases, um, and then the head of the rebellion got executed, mm-hmm. and then everything dissipated. Um, the The reason I wanted to talk about it a little bit more was, um, just, it's just interesting that Luke describes that, Gamaliel references it, and Josephus wrote about it. Josephus, not a follower of Jesus, not a Christian, he was a Jewish historian. His job was to write history, and and it affirms the authenticity of Scripture um, as a secondary source because they're both talking about the exact same thing, which I think is is really cool. So when people say, eh, you can't trust the Bible because you don't really know that what happened happened, well, if so, if you throw it out, you have to say, well, Josephus didn't know what he was talking about, and we count on Josephus to provide lots of history from the first century um, for both the for the Jews at that point in time and for the for the Roman culture everything that was going on in and around Jerusalem at that point in time so yeah cool cool thing that is cool very interesting and does Josephus also point to Christ in his oh yeah and the, and the continued following yeah Jos- Josephus references um, followers of Jesus he references that Jesus was crucified and that he was resurrected. Um, uh, he he talks about it um, uh, again as a historian mm-hmm. who didn't become a believer, but said, "Yeah, there's this group of people that say that this this person who was crucified uh, came back to life and, and laid their lives down." Yeah, as you pointed yeah. out, right? That all but John were yeah. all the disciples except for John actually were killed. Yeah, were executed. Yeah, martyred. Belief. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good, good study again, once again this week. So yeah. I really appreciate it. So I think that's it. And I've been trying to ignore this red cup over here, but I do believe <laughs> it was a gift, right? Yeah, I wanna- a, a, a new cup. I just wanted to give a shout out to the Shriner Life Group. Uh, they gave me a new cup for Pastor Appreciation Month, which was really, really fun. And I just want to say thank you publicly to them. And it's just such a nice cup. Um, <laughs> such a nice cup. I love it. That's a matter of opinion, but <laughs> but thank you for a nice gift anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We've, we, um, we've got about five minutes left. If we want to do that, do you want to talk about my announcement yesterday? I'd rather not, but I suppose there'd be others who might want to hear about um, it. So yes, would you share the, a little bit more? Yeah, the um, I'm happy to talk about it. It's it's uh, funny because I've been talking about um, about 
ultimately when the time comes and, and I move into another area of ministry, I've been talking about it for almost five years now. So it's a pretty um, easy thing for me to talk about. I know for some people that may have been, yesterday may have been the first that they heard about it. Um, I would just say I'm, I'm convinced that God's in the whole process. It's just been a really, really good thing to talk over time about how we sense that God's leading us and, and what we might do. Um, the, the great thing is, I, I, I've, I've said, I don't want to coast to the end. I, I want to finish strong, and I feel like with, with the transition that will come with a new lead pastor, um, that I want to do everything I can to help um, lay a great foundation so that when that new pastor is in place, um, the, the church can just grow at a dynamic level that can have a more significant impact even than we've had in the last 10 years. And so um, I've, I've got four things that I've talked about with the staff in, in terms of what I feel like these are the things that we need to focus on, that I need to focus on to prepare for that time. And, and then in the meantime, we just try and figure out, okay, what's on the other side? We were talking about the interim interim ministry thing. And Kim, you've been around a while. You remember um, what things were like in 2013 and 14. And, um, and, and as we began to talk about um, when I would step out of the lead pastor role, one of the things that I said was, I feel like God has allowed us through what we experienced here at North Point, but also in several of the other churches that just went through some difficult times to to understand a lot of the dynamics that go on in a church when there's a transition and um, and there's lots of pain and lots of hurt and um, and if we can help if we can help other churches in the way that John Eliff uh, helped North Point in that transition in 2013 or 14, um, would just uh, De- both Deb and I have said that would be a really really cool thing. Um, some people have have said, uh, like, would that be local or whatever? And part of the appeal of the interim thing in, in just a fleshly kind of way is the organization that we've talked to um, puts interim pastors in churches all over the country. And so there, we think that there's something really kind of cool about thinking, oh, we could go to a church in California or New Mexico or South Dakota, you know, a little town in South Dakota, and live there for six or nine or 12 months and, um, and help, um, help lead a church during that time, help lay the, the foundation for a new lead pastor. Um, I, I, f- I feel like if we're able to do that, that that would just be a cool thing for the kingdom. Um, that, and, and in a sense, I would be a missionary of North Point, um, you know, just uh, taking what God has taught us here to help implement that in some other places. So that'd be cool. Wonderful. And the timing you did mention yesterday is June of 2025. So there's mm-hmm. a little bit of time. And yeah. I guess I just want to say thank you, number one, for being prayerful about it. Mm. Because from my personal perspective, I don't want to see you at Dub leave, mm. but I'm not going to stop something that God's doing. So right. that's awesome. Um, and obviously we'll, we'll wait and stay tuned. And I appreciate that you are already building leadership up as well, because I was here during the 2013 and, and, uh, we we weren't prepared and it was a difficult situation. So I love that, you know, that you are allowing God to just move in all these ways and not just, um, single-minded focus. So thank you for that. And, um, and I had just mentioned to 
I just mentioned to my husband, I, boy, Jake's been speaking a lot lately. I wonder if God might be calling <laughs> him up into a new role someday. So, yeah. so interesting that God is yeah. preparing him and equipping him. And, yeah. yeah, that's that really has been his desire. Um, you know, from the, from the time that um, he was bivocational in Cincinnati before he came to North Point. So he worked at State Farm and he was part time in a church. And and enjoyed doing that. I think that he probably did that maybe for four or five years. Um, and so for him to have the opportunity to to step into a role full time was a cool thing. But he said from the beginning that that's what I'd I'd ultimately like to do. And um, and so you know, four years ago, whatever we I had a conversation with him, and I said, um, here's the plan. I think five to seven years somewhere in there. Um, is that a time frame that you think that might be a fit for you? Are you interested in, in potentially maybe staying at North Point? And he and Ashley talked about it, prayed about it, and said, yeah, we, th- we could see how that could work. And, um, and ultimately, you know, we're going through this process, and, and Jake, may, Jake may come to a place that he says, you know what, we really sense that God wants us to go someplace else. That That's a real possibility. We could say as a leadership, you know, as we as we walk through this whole process, uh, we think maybe Jake's not the right person for North Point. Um, but, we th- but at the same time, we could all land in a place and say, boy, God's hand has been in this from the very beginning. And, um, and so we're just trying to trying to seek him and see what happens with that. What a great example for all of us, right? Because we don't really know always out in the distant future, yeah. but yet we are called to be faithful. And so you're all being faithful with listening yeah, and, and just continuing to walk and do the best you can to prepare and equip. And you're right. God might have a different plan, but, but it'll all be f- used, right? Right. There's not, there's yes. nothing right now that isn't ordained. By yep. Him. He yep. Is, he is, ca- you know, leading the way. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, one, one done it prayerfully. That's why I can well, say that with thanks. confidence. Yeah. Thanks. Um, one, one last thing. Let me, let me just share. Um, when we first started the process, the very first step that we took um, when, as we read our first book, was to realize that any one of us could be in transition in a moment at any, at a, any moment's time. You know, I could have a heart attack. Somebody could die in a car wreck, whatever. And so we all developed what we call immediate replacement plans. So we have everybody on staff has an immediate replacement plan that basically says, here are all my responsibilities. If something were to happen to me, here are the people that could step in. Here's here how here is how ready they are to be able to step in. Some, you know, some could step in seamlessly um, in some areas and and maybe not so much. But to have that mapped out, that that has been a strategic um, part of the process for us that has made a ton of sense. Um, and, and, and I would say to anybody who's watching, we all need immediate replacement plans um, on, on all kinds of levels. Uh, in our I'm lives. I actually thinking yeah. the same thing about several things I could yeah. be putting in place. I appreciate that. That is but, definitely not yeah. um, a typical mode of operation for most, even businesses. Yeah, well, we so, don't think about it that much. And uh, somebody, somebody came up to me after one of the services yesterday and said, oh, man, I'm really glad for the way that you communicated it, and I've got to put pieces in place to plan for my, for my retirement when, when that time comes. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you for yeah. that. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Right. Thanks That's for hosting. That's a wrap for uh, episode 112. 112, yeah. <laughs> so like, share, all that good stuff. Thanks for watching. Take care.